Hey gang, welcome to Dateline Louisiana, a provocative look at the deepest of the deep southern states. Thoughts that are informative, candid, humorous, and sometimes controversial about life in one of the most interesting and rabble-rousing states in the nation. Here are your hosts, Lana Gray and Jim Brown. Hey there, you podcast listeners. Glad you joined us today. I'm Jim Brown uh, here with my co-host, Rhonda Gray. Rhonda, uh, hello and welcome, <laughs> and, and both of us looking forward to a lively show today, huh? Definitely looking forward to it. We kind of teased, if you were listening last uh, to the last podcast, a little bit about some of the topics coming up in the next month or so that we are talking about, and we've got a whole list to get into well, let's start with affirmative action. That was such a major issue, and uh, I followed it pretty close because I'm a graduate of the University of North Carolina, and the Supreme Court ruled on the two cases brought before them was involved Harvard University and the University of North Carolina on affirmative action. And, Ron, as I understand affirmative action, that uh, uh, colleges in many instances, particularly your better colleges to uh, broaden the support they wanted to do involving minorities would often allocate a certain percentage of the graduates that had to be minority. Uh, in, in Harvard, it was, it's, I think it hovered around 20%. They wanted 20% to be admitted. And there was a lot of opposition for a number of years from that, particularly from Asian Americans because uh, Asian Americans in the in the briefs pointed out that their their grades number one they said look we're a minority and you're not including us in that definition and number two you're taking a, a kid who is an, a minority who's primarily African American who uh, uh, maybe has a B plus average and here's an Asian American that has all A's and they don't get in and the other student does. And is that fair when we have the equal protection under the law, where we're also be treated the same? And so uh, this has been a very controversial uh, time as this decision worked itself through the courts in a number of suits, and the Supreme Court, by a 6-3 majority, uh, 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 voted that, um, that affirmative action was unconstitutional, that you could use race as a factor in the individual's application. In other words, uh, uh, if they had all be, if they, let's say they were an all-A student and there was five or six all-A students, but this particular student was uh, an oboe player and, and uh, uh, spoke several languages and, and was a little bit more well-rounded, if you will, and that, then they were African-American, uh, that could make a difference. So you could use that in terms of the individual, but as terms of giving a percentage, you couldn't do that. And it's a very, been a very controversial decision, and uh, some people agree with it. Uh, I think if you can consider race in terms of the individual's qualification, at some point we got to put all this behind us. Uh, there may be a role for, Afri for affirmative action that uh, – started back after the Civil Rights Act, back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Now we're in the 90s, and uh, now we're in, in the year 2023. Is it time to move on and say, 
just as the fact that you're a good football player is an attribute, being an African-American is an attribute that we'll consider. That could be considered a plus in terms of your balance, but we're not going to say that a percentage of the student body has to be African-American. I think, I think this was a natural problem that was going to come about uh, with the time passing on affirmative action laws and all, because we went through a period of time where we definitely needed to give the African-American population a leg up because of the blatant discrimination against them. But the country's growing more and more diverse, first of all. So now we have Hispanic population. We have which is people, a, Which Native would Americans, be a minor, considered a minority, right? And we have a, a large Asian population. So it definitely needed to be revisited. It's not that people didn't don't still need help. It's not that diversity is a positive and everyone should see it as a positive in this country. Um, but it, it did seem like it needed to be revisited in the way you would like to embrace what some of the Supreme Court justices say that, you know, any any uh, discrimination based on race is discrimination and we shouldn't base this on race. But I'm just not sure just doing away with it accomplishes that. And I hope that they come behind it with some ideas on how to continue making some of these institutions, private institutions, cost a lot of money to go to, degrees from those are you know prestigious, but they would still benefit from having a diverse student body. Uh, I th and I'm sure there are exceptions that there, there's not been that diversity, but my perception of, of uh, whether it be Harvard, Yale, North Carolina, Tulane, LSU, you know, uh, we live in a state where Southern University used to be exclusively black. I know hardly any whites. I don't know any white. Uh, well, I spoke out Southern uh, over the years, and I, I never saw a white person on the campus. Except the law school. Well, but I'm saying now that's changed. That's changed dramatically. And uh, LSU has had a dramatic increase in the African-American population. And the law school, as you pointed out, uh, the, the dean is African-American out at, at its Southern Law School. And there are a number of professors there, but a number of students. There's a number uh, in the law school. I, I, I'm just guessing I think it's like 40, 50 percent white uh, in the law school. So, uh, so, but and and yet other institutions are increasing. I think that that to, to not be criticized, to accept the fact it's the right thing to do, that uh, most of our universities are saying we've got to have diversity because that, you know, not because we got to help up uh, uh, African Americans. It's just better for the university to have a have a diverse population. When I went to the University of North Carolina back in 19, I finished, uh, finished there in 1962, uh, I cannot recall an African-American on the campus. I'm sure a few had enrolled. but uh, and, and not only was there not much diversity, uh, all the girls wore the penny loafers and the skirts <laughs> to class, and all the guys wore the sweaters. And, and 
everybody looked the same. Right. Everybody, <laughs> we all, everybody on the campus looked the same. <laughs> and so uh, they were all white and they all looked the same. And uh, real diversity means you brought a few guys from Louisiana like me. That was <laughs> diversity. You know, it wasn't all North Carolina. And you brought some, some Yankees in from New York. That That's made it diversified. So that's not the case uh, uh, when you go, you know, you— you come to LSU that has an African-American president and, and key uh, personnel throughout the university that are African-American. And, and so we've seen a wide uh, diversity that I think we've made an awful lot of progress. So and, I hope this— And I hope that it, it, it is based in the future on, you know, again, I'd like to give some credit here, uh, that it's based on other factors— and that there still can be a way to achieve diversity. They haven't struck down everything, and that we can get to the point where race alone is not the factor. I mean, should Beyonce and Jay-Z's daughter, you know, get uh, ahead of other people to get into Harvard or something? She's not impoverished. In other words, she's not someone who's not able to afford it or grew up disadvantaged uh, based on, on race and all. So... But yet there are a greater percentage of minority families who can't get there. It's not just race. It's also economic status and uh, affordability and things like that. And coming up in a culture where they may not have been uh, had access to the best schools and things to get them there. So I hope that the goal is still to have diverse student body populations so that everybody, you know, learns that. And not just to cherry pick that it's oh we don't have to do that anymore. Well, that's that's a tough problem, and it, and it applies to uh, the state of Louisiana, where the public school system uh, is. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't put my child into the public school system. Well, you've got some some good public schools, but you got many that have a long way to go. Right. And so uh, uh, that's a challenge to. Uh, all students in terms of the quality of the education they're getting. Uh, I mean, so you bring that down to a high school level to where uh, it's not fair that uh, Louisiana kids uh, uh, don't, and I don't know how the dollars work in terms of, of education around the, the country. I'm sure that Massachusetts and uh, a number of wealthy states like that put a lot more, they pay their teachers more. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, they put much more into public education. Do we reach a goal to where that there, there's affirmative action on equal funding across the country to every state? That's an issue we might see one day. You follow right. me? Because we're struggling here to uh, uh, pay teachers kind of the southern average. But uh, on the East Coast and out in California, public school teachers make much more money. And uh uh, and then the facilities, the school building, the gymnasiums, the athletic opportunities. You know, uh, we don't have a student nurse in most schools in Louisiana. I don't even have a nurse. We did, did when I w was growing up, but they've defunded that, that kind of thing. And so uh, will we see more, you know, should we have, should we fund the public school system on a national level? You know? <laughs> that would be controversial. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I heard an interesting interview at Smokey Robinson on uh, by Chris Wallace, where Smokey Robinson, as you know, you know, came up through Motown and worked at Motown. 
think he's written 4,000 songs. He's in every Hall of Fame you can be in. And he was adamant about not being called African American. He said, I want to be called Black American. He said, "My, I, I, you're talking about generations and generations of my family who fought for America, who bled, died here. I don't have any ties to Africa. And so I thought that was a really interesting perspective for him to have because he certainly has faced um, discrimination. He's grown up in a very segregated world with his music and all that. And um, I thought that was interesting. And maybe taking away some of these things will help us get to the point where people are the same. We're not all different labels and all. You think a professor who's teaching at LSU or wherever who's Asian uh, wants to be called Asian American or do they just want to be called an American? I have a um, family member who is Asian American and it it infuriates him to have to mark that on forms. So he writes in American Asian. It's kind of like the smoke. I thought of him whenever I was listening to Smokey Robinson. He goes, I, I've never been to China, but I'm not, you know, denying my heritage, but I'm an American. So I'm not Asian American. I'm an American Asian. And he writes it in just as his own little protest. Well, I'm 90% Scottish. Should I start writing Scot? I'm a Scottish American? Am I a Scottish American? I mean, my, uh, uh, gen- you know, the African American tie went back to, uh, uh, you know, early 1800s. Well, that's when the first, my first ancestors came over from Scotland. So uh, should I be a Scottish American? You know, so <laughs> uh, I'd like to see us start being Americans first and then being, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I hope that maybe this affirmative action decision moves us more in the direction where one day we'll be called all Amer- all. There's a lot of fear about it now, especially in the black community about taking this away. And they feel very betrayed by it. I know I've heard a number of them talking since the decision came out. But it would be a nice thing to get to the point where race is not a deciding factor for anything. Well, I hope we get to that point. I hope we get to that point. As an addendum to that whole issue, uh, there is uh, a lot of, of those who were very much opposed to uh, to uh, the affirmative action that uh, uh, felt like we also should do away with legacies in school. And, Ronna, you and I have talked about that to all of our listeners that don't know. There are a number of private colleges, not so much at public schools. Well, I say that. University of North Carolina, there's legacies uh, to where a graduate of the university— uh, uh, can write a recommendation for a, a student that wants to be admitted, and that holds some weight. That's in the consideration of, of some weight. And I've written a number of, of applications uh, for the schools I've been to, and uh, uh, I've done that on the past. So is it time to let that go? They tie in that discussion, the athletes, too, that uh, uh, well, to get to the legacy uh, that— uh, the knock is that if uh, a legacy might be able to jump ahead of someone more qualified or, or a better academic record uh, because they are a legacy. 
And uh, then you bring in the athletic scholarship, someone or, or an athlete. There's an athlete, uh, particularly at, at some of these schools that don't give scholarships uh, in uh, the eastern schools, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth. They try to have a competitive team, and maybe they'll give you an academic scholarship. Uh, it's not really an athletic scholarship, but you get it. But your grades aren't quite as high as other applicants. But you're a heck of a pitcher from the, you right. know, in high school baseball, or you can uh, sure you hit the three pointers, and they want to bring you in, and that's been that's been happening for years, and I guess you could say that to some degree. I I got a scholarship in basketball, but in track, track doesn't generate the money that the other major sports do. So, um, and in my case, I had the grades, but should someone who doesn't quite have the grades be allowed to come in. Is that all, all open for discussion? Supreme Court didn't get into that. And I think they're, you know, what uh, those in favor of legacies, a Harvard, for example, will say, look, they got a $51 billion, not million, billion dollar uh, endowment. Uh, endowment. And uh, one of the reasons they get that endowment is that they uh, allow uh, those very wealthy uh, former former members or graduates to uh, uh, recommend to get their not so bright children. In. That's right. Well, that's right. <laughs> Wealthier, uh, primarily white, primarily wealthy. Uh, I don't think they do it to where it's just you know you got to be pretty close. Uh, from what I understand, they're not going to take you if you're a D or C student. But is it time for that to go? I don't think it is. I think we're moving along those lines, but I think a private college particularly, uh, that's a legislative decision. If the University of, rather, if North Carolina legislature wants to tell, hey, we're funding you and no legacies, okay. I'd, I'd rather not see the Supreme Court I agree. Uh, leave that on the local level. Now, you know, if the legislature in Louisiana wants to say, don't consider legacies, we're giving you all this money to fund you. No legacies when that's their decision. It but, was very interesting, too, that they took up a private and a public school. <clears throat> that, And, of course, North Carolina, you're right, is prestigious, and it sort of uh, behaves a little like a private school. But that was an interesting point, that they were looking at both on the affirmative action. In the past, you would almost think the private schools could do what they wanted to do. But now, with so much tied to getting research dollars and other kinds of funding everybody's success is acceptable to it but yeah I, I i think legacies are next i don't think they'll touch the athletes even though just getting in these schools look at what the big scandal the admission scandal out at usc all about getting kids in through that athletic portal oh you're on the rowing team you're on the you know tiddlywinks team the, whatever yeah. <laughs> uh the pickleball uh, team. <laughs> there's there's no actually doubt. one other leg up admission that y'all left out. That's out of state admissions. Yes. I remember when I was in the freshman dorms uh, at University of Colorado, where I got my undergrad and master's, um, I was uh, about half the dorm was full of people from California. I had friends in Colorado with B plus averages that did not get into CU, but almost every California kid I've talked to had a C average. So, well, why do why uh, would and that and that's producer Chris talking uh, uh, here and Chris glad to have you chime in. Why would in Colorado why would uh, uh, 
why would California kids get in with lower grades? Because they pay twice as much. I was going to say, oh, I, yeah, came from, tuition. I came from Mississippi to LSU and paid out-of-state tuition, which was the out-of-state fees were way more, way more than just the tuition. Uh, and I paid the tuition plus an out-of-state fee. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot more expensive. Well, I would think it's— Taxpayers, that was pretty upsetting. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're, I would think that's, again, that's a local issue for—not local, but a state issue for the legislature. Because uh, I know in North Carolina, and uh, I still spend a lot of time in North Carolina. I have a lot of friends who are graduates. The legislature uh, watches that very closely. I mean, they, they say we're a North Carolina school— and our tax dollars are paying for North Carolina kids. And yes, out-of-state students pay a lot more. But uh, so I think that's an issue for the Colorado legislature. And I don't know how this is now because it's been quite a while since I was at LSU. But when I came, my parents had graduated from a university in the University of Louisiana system, not the LSU system. They would waive the out-of-state fee for a legacy student. And so I could have gone to any of those and paid in-state tuition, but of course I want to go to LSU, yeah. so they had to pay it. And But I agree with you. I don't think it ever crossed our minds, well, we're going to the Supreme Court. You know, it just <laughs> never crossed our minds. You just were told things and you accepted it. Like, oh, well, you could have gone to those schools and, and waived it, but you came here and you're going to pay it. So. Well, there's an outcry, I think, though, uh, I, since we're, so many of these issues are dealt with on the national level, right. that's a state decision. I agree. If, uh, if Colorado wants to say uh, 75% of all the kids that attend University of Colorado have got to be from the state of Colorado, so they, they can do so. So uh, that's the decision that I think for the legislature and for those that run each, each particular state. So. Uh, We've got a lot more to talk about. We're about out of time on this week's show. Uh, our, uh, uh, our website, rather, our email address is Huey, H-U-E-W. Uh, no, H-U-E-Y. H-U-E-Y. <laughs> H-U-E-Y. And, Rhonda, that's your dad's first name. Yes. So, uh, but Huey Long, Named of course. Named for a very popular Louisiana Huey. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, but it's Huey at... DatelineLouisiana.com. Our website's Dateline Louisiana. You can go to that site and see all of our shows that go back a, a number of months. We hope you will. My uh, website is JimBrownLA.com, and Rana's is RanaGray.com. So uh, if you want to check up on us and see all the colorful, controversial things that both of us do. Uh, Chris, thanks for producing our show today. Glad you all listened. Have a, a good week coming up, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to Dateline Louisiana with Jim Brown and Ronna Gray. To subscribe to this podcast or contact Jim or Ronna, visit DatelineLouisiana.com. We hope you'll join us again next week for more news and reflections from the Bayou State.